Hey, just a heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is about Vampire Hunter D, Bloodlust. Some relevant trigger warnings for this movie include suicidal ideation, needles, allusion to drug overdose, animal death, disorienting imagery, blood, gore, and lots and lots of flashing lights. And our hosts rank this movie as spoopy and totally metal. If you'd like to learn more about the movie discussed this evening, please visit our website, progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm, for show notes. After the spooky music, we'll talk about the movie in full, so be forewarned, there will be spoilers. Now, let's get on with the show. Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, Jeremy's away so us weeps can play. We're covering an underdistributed anime classic, Vampire Hunter D, Bloodlust. This is Emily, your friendly neighborhood megamoth, and with me tonight, I do have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First up, challenging the sexy werewolf, sexy vampire binary, which is especially relevant tonight. It's Ben Khan. Ben, how are you? Vampire Hunter D. I appreciate a movie that's its own porn parody title. Right? I mean, just as horny as you would want it to be. I mean, but not I don't too think horny. I want to see this franchise get too horny. I think it's just horny enough. And next we have our very special guest, comics artist and illustrator Amanda. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing, I'm doing all right. Cool. <laughs> so what's our first impression on this movie? This is one of the most gorgeous films I've ever seen in my entire life. I agree. It's a beautifully animated movie. It is mostly this, vibes. This is a masterpiece of the animated form. Yeah, it's a vibe. I do use a term coined by Patrick Willems. It's a vibe movie. It is a vibe movie. This is... Michael Mann's heat as a vampire anime. Yes. Amanda, what do you agree? I feel like it's a lot of style and the substance might be getting a little confused along the way. <laughs> but I, it's, I have some thoughts. It's, <laughs> it's good. good was to tell you that this was an adaptation of the third book in a 40 book series. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. I'm just judging the movie on its own standalone merits. It it seems like this is just a completely inconsequential story plucked from nothing just to adapt with no true impact or arc. Correct? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, I was it pretty. Oh, it's so pretty. So this this movie, I believe, I would place in a genre. Now, a lot of people consider anime a genre, and that's incorrect however in the 90s it's very understandable to think that anime was a genre because this was the genre i I like to call it japanimation because it was all this same kind of stuff you'd find it in a corner of the hollywood video or whatever your local video store was on the thusly titled mini shelf somewhere in the back some in a very niche area and it was full of shit like ninja scroll and wicked city all beautifully animated or in akira of course akira was one of those that was sort of like an odd man out akira's it's akira but uh it's all like beautiful horny a lot of monsters and tentacles and things happening and boobies and there's not a lot of substance 
And because these movies were very, very popular um, as imports, because of course they are, because they're just all vibes, we get Japanimation. Now, we know that anime is, is just an animated, very, very large animated medium from Japan. But everything from isekai to slightly different isekai. <laughs> I guess this movie can count as isekai. I guess. How is it isekai? Yeah, we're, it's us. It we're in it. We're in it, the okay. isekai. Which transports us. It's Why? not a second person movie. What are you talking about? Just a, it just has very immersive atmosphere. There you go. Watching this movie, knowing that it came out in 2000, I could so conceive of a version of history where if Adult Swim had gotten their hands on this, they like would have played it like once a month on like Saturdays at midnight. And it would have been one of like at a cowboy bebop level of like Western acclaim and prestige. That's what's baffling to me is that this movie is really like it's not on any streaming services. We had to watch it on YouTube. Um, fucking YouTube, like, fucking just DVD rip, I assume. Yeah. What's going on? Like, again, this is a stunning achievement in animation. Like, where is, like, the 1080p, like, gorgeous Blu-ray release of this? Oh, no, I loved that on YouTube. It was titled 1080p-ish, which is really funny to me. Like, it's kind of 1080p. Like, it's very strange, the lengths we had to go to watch this. It is very odd. Well, I don't think there's a remastered version since it came out on DVD. There's no Blu-ray. Wild. Because, again, this is an anime movie that actually manages to capture in animation a degree the feel of Yoshitaka Amano's artwork. And that is one fucking motherfucker of an accomplishment yeah and like in a time of life when we have castlevania on netflix and we have games like bloodborne and we have all of this media out right now that's like that is this like it's based on this like castlevania of course predated the vampire hunter d movies it did not predate actually i don't know if castlevania came out before the first vampire hunter d movie because this is actually technically I wouldn't call it a sequel because it just has the same character. It's a similar world. But the first Vampire Hunter D movie came out in the 80s. I did not Wikipedia this part. Give me a minute. But it was based on a series of light novels. When did Vampire... So 1985 was when we got the first Vampire Hunter D. And that was a direct-to-video, aka OVA, original video animation. It... I know what OV stands for. I'm our, a weeb. I yeah, we're weebs, but I'm not going to assume that everybody in our audience is. Like if if you listener assume that the anime was a genre, I'm not going to blame you for that. I just want you to know that what this are is you, why like Spotify like year end playlist <laughs> where every year it's just like your top genre was anime. I mean, anime music. I, I think that's a genre. Amanda, would you agree? I there is definitely a sort of anime music that exists. It's and, not and they do follow the certain. Box. They do follow certain. There's certain chord progressions. There's certain. There there is a certain genre to the the, the vibe it's of anime. It's not my music. fault that the Blue Lock soundtrack fucking slaps. A lot of these soundtracks fucking slap, but like there's a particular kind of anime opening that there's like the opening songs and the ending songs 
there's a lot of meme material you know ch check out all of like there's a several different youtubers make jokes about this you know anime opening and anime endings be like look that up on youtube yeah. and you'll find some great no fun fact content. a lot of anime openings um follow the exact same port chord progression as uh never gonna give you up by rick astley is that real no that's true yes and his music is very popular in japan because it follows that chord progression it's 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 interesting <laughs> that's true that's true. At the Pet Shop Boys, too. Like, a lot of anime openings are just, this is the Pet Shop Boys. <laughs> this is a movie where the, the main character undergoes no arc. No change happens to the world. The events of the movie are truly inconsequential to most of the people involved and the world itself. But fuck, if... Everything isn't just oozing in style and atmosphere and elegance and mood and just the most gorgeous fucking animation you've ever done seen. Yeah, so the, the main the main animating studio that that worked on this movie is Madhouse. And when you say Cowboy Bebop, Madhouse did Cowboy Bebop. They also did Trigun, although they didn't try as gun with Trigun, sadly. That this is Trigun nineteen ninety eight. Uh, and they also did like Ninja Scroll. They did, oh gosh, they did a lot of stuff. And this look that they have is very like like elegant look to the characters. That is very much you know. There's a lot of uh, Yoshitaka Amano there now. Real quick, just to give you an idea of who we're talking about, Yoshitaka Amano, uh, his artwork you may recognize from the Final Fantasy series. He did all of the watercolors associated with the final fantasy series um whenever you see that kind of elegance like brushy artwork with those games then or then sometimes they appear on the um the little title logo there that's yoshitaka amano and he's done all sorts of stuff and he's you know this is one of those things that he's known for and his artwork is very very recognizable once you like see it if you like final fantasy yeah, I mean, if you like Final Fantasy, you like this movie. Here, real quick, does anyone know if Castlevania, the original game, the original Nintendo Castlevania, came out before or after 1985? To Google. To I, Google. To, yeah, no. <laughs> useless by the day. So I, I'm, I'm not a Castlevania buff. I just know. 1986 freaking... is the first Castlevania game. So that's a year after Vampire Hunter D, the movie, the <laughs> OVA came out. So this does predate, because, you know, then there were the books before that, and this does predate Castlevania. So I'm going to go into, we're going to, I'm going to do a recap, and, and first I'll do basics recap, and then we're going to talk about some stuff that we feel about this movie, and whether or not it has anything to say. But to start, director Just on screen, go ahead. Buy stuff from Hot Topic. That's the message. Uh, yes. Yeah. Goth things are cool. That's what this movie says. So our director and screenwriter is uh, Yoshiaka Kawajiri. We also have the English language adaptation by Ellen, not Alan, Ellen Moore, not Alan Moore, and Jack Fletcher. Our Japanese voice cast is Hideyuki Tanaka as D, Koichi Yamadera as Meyer Link, Megumi Hayashibara as Layla. You may have heard Megumi's voice before in Neon Genesis Evangelion. She plays Rei. Emi Shinohara as Charlotte, and Ichiro Nagai as uh, Dee's cool hand. Ichiro Nagai is a very well-known classic voice actor and actor. He was also the hand in the original movie. The hand is an important part, and we'll get there. 
And yes, I understand that there's a little bit of a of an eyebrow raise when I talk about the hand being a very important character in a movie called Vampire Hunter D. Our English cast, uh, we have Andy Philpot as D, John Rafter Lee as Meyer Link. John Rafter Lee, you may have heard before in Spawn. He was Jason Wynn in Spawn, the animated series. And he was also, now this might be a deep cut, he was also Trevor Goodchild in Aeon Flux, which is a very close relative of this movie. Now, I didn't realize until after watching it that it was originally recorded in English and technically it's the Japanese that's the dub. Yes. I did not realize that, so I just watched it in the Japanese. Yeah, so the so Japanese... I wonder what, how it did change. Maybe I got to rewatch it now in English. The English version was the most common version, and so I've seen it in English a bunch of times. This was actually... I, I found it in Japanese just by by accident and it's there's some slight differences in the dub and the sub this the dub is slightly hornier but in kind of an off-road way and i'll get to that oh no yeah um john rafter lee is meyer link pamela adlin is credited in here as pamela siegel who also voices bobby hill in king of the hill and um also known as a sometimes collaborator with Louis C.K. Oh, uh, someone please dub over her lines with Bobby Hill lines. <laughs> no, no, you. That's my giant gun. <laughs> Amanda, have you seen any King of the Hill? Yes, I have. Uh, mostly due to uh, my partner's influence. She loves King of the Hill. Oh, I didn't <laughs> know that. No, she oh. loves it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. You know, I saw King of the Hill when it came out. Or, um like way back in the day like when it came out on tv and it was it was nice that i just i haven't seen it since i just think it's hilarious how like it's an in, in, international hit and uh anyway so charlotte is what is played by wendy lee who's a very prolific voice actor look her up she's great comedian mike mcshane from office space uh among other things is the is d's cool hand and then john dimaggio plays like you know a good 40 percent of the rest of the cast so some recognizable names. So I have mentioned that this is based, well, we've mentioned the light novels, the Hideo Kikuchi light novels illustrated by Yoshitaka Amano. And yes, this is based on book three of the 40 some odd volume series. I can't and find any info on what actually happens in any of the other 39 books. The books, the light novels were available in English for a time, and it may have been through one of those spur-of-the-moment publishers like Tokyo. Well, I don't know if I call Tokyo Pop a spur-of-the-moment publisher, but, you know, once once and maybe future publishers. I don't know for sure. That's something that I would, I'd say, I'm sorry, listener, I'm I'm putting this one on you. If you really want to find like, them. It's like the James Bond movies. Like, it's such that, like, you never almost even expect him to go through an arc. You just want D to do D things. And yes. have a new plot, new villains, new themes. And it's very cowboy bebop samurai shampoo and where it's just like he's just a connecting thread through these supporting characters who are each really the main characters. Yeah, he's sort of like an I ambassador to this is what world. it all feels like. Yeah. But you're saying that uh, if someone were interested in reading the series, they might have to do a little bit of a, a yo-ho-ho. If you will, maybe, maybe. maybe. I little... mean, honestly, like these days, I'm pro. I don't know if the uh, um, we here progressively books... harp. I do not endorse the act of yo ho ho, but yes, I do. Unless you took a bite of gum gum. Anyway, so we <laughs> we get to the recap. 
That was a one piece joke. Coming soon to Netflix. Really? Live action trailer. Yeah, they've got a live action. A live action trailer of what? They've got a live action one piece. Oh my God. The vibes are strange. I cannot imagine going to only ever watch the Netflix show just to annoy One Piece fans. I love Luffy's CGI arm. It makes me uncomfortable. Is it? It's Japanese. No. There's a there's an like an international cast. Oh yeah. wow! Yes, yeah. they're letting Luffy's actor keep his South American accent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where in South America, and I'm too lazy to Google it. I thought they filmed in Africa. I'm not sure. I believe <laughs> the filming was in South Africa, but the yes. cast is very international. Okay. God, that you'll learn something new. All right, well, I had no idea that One Piece had a life coming out or like live action series. I hope Chopper is the worst fucking CGI y'all ever done seen. I don't life. believe they're getting to Chopper. I think they're only going to the part where they enter the Grand Line. Oh. That'll be something that happens in season two, by which we mean they're not doing shit. <laughs> I would want to see what Chopper looked like. I would. I, I think it's just the. Uh, the beginning yeah i would not want to watch it without chopper like because if we don't have chopper we'd add robin no yeah no robin all right well thank you for for um <laughs> being here for one piece corner you know one what piece. listener i've never seen it or what <laughs> except for that duh except for like eight episodes of like the four kids dub oh my gosh ben you should that's about it. preserve you we need to preserve you as you are yeah I, I think that should be like just the <laughs> like that should be my exposure is like the first two three arcs of four kids dub and then the Netflix live action and that's it. Yeah, no other okay. One Piece media. And then I want you to do all sorts of critique on One Piece based on this little bit of One Piece yes. theme. Yes, I think yes. this is, we need and outside opinions. We need yeah, to keep I... me up with the person that's only ever watched Dragon Ball GT and Evolution. Oh yeah, my I, god. I, I'm some sort of sicko who enjoys One Piece and has watched up to the Punk Hazard arc. You're not... Yeah. Yeah, Punk Hazard. <laughs> I, People describe I, I have already been One tainted. Piece arcs. I, every time someone just says the name of a One Piece arc, I'm like, are you just making shit up? Because everything is like, look, look, look. I know it starts slow around the Cherry Soda arc, but man, once you get to Marmalade Turtle arc, holy shit. Once you get to the, the big cake super mama island or whatever, I don't, I haven't gotten there yet. And, oh my God. That's a real once one. You're at, once you're at fucking Balloon Mountain, fucking forget about it. It's off the hook. I just That's what they all sound like. That no, I am aware. Correct. I am aware. Like. I was introduced to it by my partner, once again, who loves One Piece and always has. And every time she would talk about it, I thought I was going crazy. That's like, that's why I can't like, I don't know where, how I'm going to engage in One Piece because I've seen a little bit of it. I read some of it. Gosh, we have gone right off the rails. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> That's what happens when Jeremy's not here to rein in the weeds. Yeah, this well, is the episode you get. This is the episode. So thank you again, One Piece Corner. Progressively anime. Progressively anime. Um, if you want to watch anime forever until you die, watch One Piece because that's how much of it there is. Okay. Anyway, so back to Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust. Very different. Very one of the reasons that anime is not a genre; it's a medium because it can't be more different from One Piece. 
first of all, this anime is only like 90 minutes long. Very short, little good, animated good movie. Nice very, pace. Very nice pace. Very tight. Good, good, very good watch. Yes. We begin in this grim, dark, neo-Victorian horror future where vampires pick up ladies on carriages drawn by red cyborg vampire horses. Vampires are not as common as they used to be, apparently. This is like thousands of years in the future. There are bounties and there are also hunters. And the bounties are on the vampires and the hunters. World that has gone through like three different apocalypses before yeah. we even get to now. <laughs> so, indeed, there's been like several vampire dynasties that have arisen and fallen, and so now there are bounties on the on the remaining vampires, which are called nobles, and the hunters that go after the bounties are called bounty hunters. This is what the title crawl tells us. Also, one of them them is a dumpeel or a dampier or a danpire, whatever his name is. D. No, no, I think we stick with Dumpiel. I like Dumpiel. Okay, let's do it. Dumpiel. He's half human and half vampire. He's like Alucard, but he's got dark hair this time and a cool hat. The girl in, a, in our opening who is captured by Dracula. It's not actually Dracula. Her name is Charlotte. She's the daughter of a witch real, wheelchair guy who hires Dee to take out the vampire who's not actually Dracula. His name is Meyer Link, and he's a really hot Billy Idol looking motherfucker. D is conscripted to take out Meyer Link and possibly Charlotte if she's also been turned. But because D is a Dunpeel, not everybody in Charlotte's family trusts him. So her brother hires an auxiliary team of vamp hunters, the Marcus brothers. They show up in their sweet vampire slaying tank. We meet them. They are Borgoff Marcus, Sikar Man, Nolt Marcus, the other tank. Not the one that they drive in, but, you know, DPS. Kyle Marcus, Two Blades. Grove Marcus, Support Caster. And Layla Marcus, my favorite brother, who has gun. They confront D, try to shoot him, and let him go. So they're planning to follow D and steal the bounty from him. We then meet these cool-talking hands, which helps him navigate the sand mantas and the laser eyeball for there's all sorts of cool shit going on. The first showdown between Meyer Link and D almost takes Meyer Link out, but Layla interrupts and screws everything up with the timing. D is a little bit put off by the fact that Charlotte seems to give give a shit about her vampire captor, and so he lets them go for now. D goes back to help Layla, and she's mad about it. So is D's hand. So we have a little bit of tension between Layla, D, and the hand. This is not a porn. The Marcus brothers collect Layla and follow their quarry to the Barbaroi, a city of monsters. Meyer Link has conscripted a few monsters to protect him. First, we meet Benge, a shadow manipulator. He stabs Nolt's shadow and kills him. We then meet the Barbaroi leader, a weird old horny dude on a unicycle. He tries to negotiate with him. Link's other two personal bodyguards, sexy werewolf Machida and sexy shapeshifter Caroline, offer to take Dion in battle. But before they can, Grove Marcus's superpowered ghost shows up and fucks up the Barbaroi with ghost lasers. Now, I just want to make sure that, there, that everybody knows that there's crosses everywhere, there's crazy spires everywhere, there's beautiful mist, everybody is overdesigned, and everybody has a cyborg horse. I didn't know that cyborg horses was something that I needed until I saw this. And I don't know why we're not all riding cyborg horses right now instead of cars. You know? Anyway. Have you seen the price on virtual oats? I 
I feel like you can get like recycled virtual oats. I like the initial carriage, uh, the horses pulling the carriage that also have Cyclops visors. Yeah, that's like suggesting that cyborg horses eat like NFT oats. I believe that is what I'm implying. <laughs> non fungible oats. It takes like a small country of power to generate one oat. Oh, um, I love it. Oh, coin. All these cyber horses, but then like he just shows up at a place and is like, can I buy a new cyber horse? Yeah, yeah. So there's no real horses, just regular horses. Regular horses can't handle this shit. They've all turned been turned into vampires, apparently, because I Meyer Lake's horses also have vampire teeth. I feel is- like that's like a product of like, oh, world building. We're in the future. This is like cars are super rare or hard. So like people go back to horses. Oh, but horses aren't cool. Let's make them like gothy cyberpunk horses. Yeah, vampire cyber horses. Which are like, yes, I'm here for it. All right. So anyway, so Grove Marcus has fucked up a bunch of monsters with a superpowered ghost. And this is a form that he achieves by like almost dying. It's like a weird astral projection thing. It's a fucking cool idea, but it's a little messed up in the way it's handled. But the deacon apparently cut the ghost with his sword. So he cuts the ghost and gives chase after Link's carriage. And then Bengay, the shadow guy, swallows him in a shadow. Oh, no. The Marcus brothers also give chase, but Caroline fuses with her tank and turns it all into spikes. This doesn't kill anybody, but it delays them. These hand can swallow pretty much anything. I'm sorry. And it swallows the shadow. So D is like, oh, fuck. Okay, I'm out of the shadow now. Everyone regroups in Red Dead Redemption. Vash Stampede is sadly not present. Layla conscripts the local sheriff to go after D, but the local cyborg horse engineer has D's back and says ACAB. Apparently, the engineer was saved by D when he was a child. Um, that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It's so that's good. Just, that, that's a great bit of just world building and a great way of just showing just like how long D has been around and the impact he's had on the world. Like, it didn't need to be in the movie, but I'm really glad it was. Yeah. It's also one of my favorite scenes, and I have a bunch of notes about it. Awesome. So I'm sure we'll get to it. Yeah. And this is where D is like, can I get your best cyborg horse, please? And the guy's like, do you have gold? It's a lot of gold. And he's like, here's some gold. And he gives him like a shit ton of gold. And so it's a it's very like hundred thousand dollars. Like, what is the inflation rate by this point? In it's Empire, in I mean, world considering the uh, the value of Oatcoin, things are probably pretty fucked up in terms of the economy. D gets another super awesome cyborg horse because this last super awesome cyborg horse was eaten by the shadow. We now find out that Charlotte is in love with Meyer Link and vice versa. She will not leave his side. Layla and Dee confront her and are like, hey, he kills people. And Charlotte's like, but he's hot. And then they, Layla tries to kidnap Charlotte. Caroline, the sexy shapeshifter, intervenes and gives the happy couple a chance to escape. Dee fights Caroline and just about kills her, but then he gets overtaken by a pathetic man syndrome. I mean, some sickness. Since he is half vampire, he's a little susceptible to sunsickness. You know, that's why he wears that cool hat. Layla helps look after him in return for saving her life. She almost gets got by Caroline, but then lightning strikes the tree that Caroline is fused with, and Layla somehow survives. Layla and Dee talk about their backstories, and during his recovery, Layla's mom became a vampire and killed her dad. Dee is like, 
I'm a Dunpeel, and that's pretty much it. That's why I am who I am. But it is implied that both of their dads were dicks. They promise to visit each other's graves when they die. The Marcus brothers have now caught up with Link and his werewolf guard. They manage to cut off the carriage by planting bombs on the bridge and pull Charlotte from the side of her lover's coffin. In an unheard of display of selflessness, the vampire noble braves the sunlight to save her. As he slowly burns, Charlotte threatens suicide. Borgoth thinks that he has shot the werewolf, but he is wrong. Machida kills the shit out of Kyle and uses his werewolf laser vision to displace all the bombs. I don't mean that he uses his laser vision, like, telepathically. Like, he f- figures out where they all are with his laser vision and then goes and finds the bombs and displaces them. I just want to make sure that's clear. He's got them werewolf eyes, which give him x-ray specs. Apparently. Because apparently all wolves... Not wolf- to be confused with the floating laser eyes that do appear earlier in this movie because, god damn, does this movie just so much aesthetic. Yeah, it's like... If everything, all the cool shit from a Castlevania game was in a movie and it was just like thing after thing after thing. So Borgoff jumps off the bridge to hit the detonator thinking he's going to blow up the bridge, but he is instead exploded by all the bombs which are in the river now. Meyer, Link, and Charlotte continue continue on to their destination. The palace of the vampire queen Carmilla Bathory, who has a, get this gothic spaceship that can take link and charlotte to the vampire space station which orbits the dark side of the earth as the eternal city of night i was obsessed yes. with this when it happened i started screaming i started throwing up i was freaking all over i this. needed to see this i wanted to see this so bad also can we appreciate when that one hunter the arrow hunter fucking ju- hits the bomb jumps off the bridge feeling so proud of himself then jumps straight into his own explosion I don't know if yeah. they say it, but I could hear the Nani in my head. <laughs> I don't think he's... I can't remember if he did say Nani. But I, I need, like, the edit where it's just, like, freeze frame to be continued, like, yeah. you roundabout by yes. <laughs> yeah, that shit was, uh, was pretty good. I also have to mention that Machido the werewolf has, like, not only is he a werewolf and turns into, like, a cool beast man, but he also gets, like, a giant wolf snout coming out of his belly that can like bite people in half double now how fucking cool is that anyway the designs uh, in this movie are everything about this is fucking great it's so cool anyway so charlotte and link are safely question mark in carmilla's castle and they're think they think they're gonna seal the deal charlotte wants link to finally bite her she's still human he won't bite her out, however, and they discuss some ethics and responsibility and come to an impasse. Link concedes that they'll talk about it later, while they're under G-forces on the spaceship, you know, like you do. Carmilla then starts fucking with both of them with crazy illusions and shit. Meanwhile, Borgoff, sadly not fully exploded, and Layla try to infiltrate the castle. Carmilla fucks with them too. D is also there. Layla hallucinates her child self. D hallucinates his human mom begging a lot of questions, and Borgoff hallucinates his dead brothers. Borgoff gets turned into a vampire because he's a dumb bitch. He then threatens to turn Layla in order to keep Dee at bay. The day is saved, however, by Grove's final near-death experience as he explodes Borgoff for real this time with his laser ghost powers. Meanwhile, again, Carmilla collects Charlotte's blood by tricking her with a sexy hallucination. Carmilla almost fully recovers her true body and becomes a blood demon, which is so dope. And then D cuts her in half and swallows her spirit with his cool hand face. Meyer Link holds Charlotte's dying form close because apparently he can't turn her into a vampire now, question mark. It's kind of unclear. 
It's enough for Layla to decide not to shoot them or retrieve Charlotte's body for the bounty. Instead, she just collects Charlotte's ring. Link and Dee share a few final words about how it sucks to be a vampire, no pun intended, and they fight. Dee spares Link and leaves. Apparently, Carmilla's ghost was the one thing holding the whole palace together, so it begins to crumble. Dee and Layla escape, but not without witnessing the launch of the vampire ship. Layla is moved to tears. Apparently, she likes vampires after all. Jump cut to Layla's funeral. She died old and happy. Her granddaughter notices an edgy stranger nearby on a cool robot horse. Oh my goodness, it's D. He kept his promise. Also, apparently, he's the Dunpeel son of the future, wanted future vampire king, because of course he is, and he's like the magical prince of he's cool the shit. super specialist, the edgiest badass. Yeah. More um, edgy than you. Absolutely more edgy character. than me. This is my original character, not Alucard. Do not steal. Yeah, Alucard also came out. I don't know. I don't know where in vampire lore, like where in the vampire oeuvre of like, I know definitely Bram Stoker didn't get there. Where the fuck like, does Alucard the first come Alucard? in? Yeah. Well, let's see. We have a Helsing. When did Helsing come from? When did Helsing start? That was after Castlevania for sure. Yes, that was 97. Well, the Castlevania uh, Symphony of the Night came out before Helsing. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, is that like is Castlevania where like the whole idea that Dracula has a son named Alucard comes from? I have no idea. I mean, it's silly enough that I figure that it would be something from a Castlevania game. I mean, the idea that Dracula has a son who's just Dracula spelled backwards <laughs> is definitely the kind of shit that Konami would come up with. Yeah, and honestly, Dracula probably would. If this is, in fact, the same Dracula that named Blackula. I mean, dude was sexy. I don't know how he didn't really have much of a diversity of his brand. Yeah, like, let's go. Like, let's dive into the Dracula that's legit being like, I'm naming my kid after me, but backwards. Yeah. And, oh, okay, so he's good and blonde as opposed to you who is, well, I don't know, like, Dracula and fucking in Castlevania has white hair. So, I don't know. They're all fucking snacks. They're snacks and a half. Alucard and Castlevania name himself Alucard or something. He did, but I like the image way better than Dracula's just this fucking weirdo. Just gonna not even doing like I'm gonna name him Dracula Jr. He's like, no, I'm too weird for that. My name, but backwards. That Amanda, thank you for mentioning that because I had totally forgotten about that and I straight up thought I I was just trying to force my Dracula's a real fucking weirdo. I mean, Dracula is also a weirdo, but the naming yourself your dad's name in reverse is a whole new can of worms. Yeah. Hey, you might be emo, but have you ever been so emo you swore to kill your dad and also named yourself after your dad, but backwards? My dad's name is Dave, so I will call myself Evad from now on. I am Evad, the anti-Dave. Um, oh, what in the My Hero Academia? Oh, God. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go on a couple. I don't know what's going on there, actually. I've, I'm oh, a little did late. the thing that I knew from the very beginning finally get revealed? I haven't been keeping track. Yes, the fire dude is related to the other fire dude. Oh, oh that's not yeah. the thing I was referring to. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, no, I knew that. I knew that yes. at least. Talk about, yeah, if you want to, so if you really like, Binge One Piece, you listener. If you're a vampire and you want to watch anime forever and you finally run out of One Piece, there's a lot of other anime that I would recommend, but 
This is not well, a show about the that. Weekly model too. So there's isn't there like still a shit ton of filler or slow paced? Oh, it, probably. I mean, there's definitely filler. I love Dragon Ball Z so much. I can't imagine in good conscience telling someone like, "Yeah, fucking go back and watch original like." Dub Bruce Faulkner soundtrack Dragon Ball Z with its entire episode spent on powering up. Yeah, I have like a really like I have a soft spot in my heart for that. It was nice because like you could do other stuff like you could get a cup of coffee. Oh, it's you could make some toast. I love it. I just can't imagine. But I feel it's one of those things where it's like you had to be there when it was going on. I, I feel tough being like, yes, person in in the year 2023, the best use of your time is to watch literally hundreds of Dragon Ball episodes. Yeah, and just like, I mean, I think it is valuable in that you can multitask while watching Dragon Ball. I mean, Dragon at the Ball. very least, watch Dragon Ball Kai. Yeah, this movie, Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust, does not have any filler, however. Or you could say it's all filler. Who cares? Um, all killer and also all filler. Yeah, all killer, all filler. So that's how uh, they did it in the 80s slash 2000. Thing that would, yeah, it was based off of a thing from the 80s. It's very 90s and it's in its execution. It really I feel it does feel like it comes from that era of Akira where you were just getting these like very dark, atmospheric, gory OVAs. Yes. Like I was like as gorgeous as it is, like I was actually still a little surprised to see it come out as late as 2000. A little bit of a fun fact about this movie that I, you know, this is a little bit of an extrapolation, but there's the emphasis on the English language uh, original dub, the 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 international distribution. I don't know if it coincidentally lined up with the announcement of the Oscars brand new best animated feature category. I don't know if Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust was ever even considered for this category. I think they released it in like 12 theaters. Yeah. And I mean, technically it would count because it was 2001 like, release. Oh, yeah, no, this is so good though. Like this should be as part of like cinema when cinemas do like, hey, we're re-airing classic anime movies and they're showing like Ghost in the Shell and Akira. Yeah. Like, this should so be like amongst those. And Ghost in the Shell and Akira, yeah, they do have things to say, but like a lot of people don't really watch it for that. Not to dismiss, like, there's a lot of really cool shit going on in Ghost in the Shell and Akira. The uh the pacing of those movies is very unique. To their... yes, I'm not saying this movie is as good as Ghost in the Shell yeah. or Akira, but it really feels like it's crazy what like an almost buried gem this is. Yeah, the but I feel like it's almost more recommendable than Ghost in the Shell and Akira because it's this movie is like, like you said, it's all thriller, all filler. You will not get bored watching this movie. Yeah, this is one of the. This is popcorn. This is a Marvel movie, but like short. Like, it's a Marvel like, movie. You don't have to pause and pee. Yeah, like, this is not, it's not going to bog you down with a bunch of terminology and a complicated, hard-to-follow plot. Yeah. Like, it's it's vibes. Like, it's it just wants to take you for, it just wants to take you through a tour of this, like, of these immaculately aesthetic, gothic, romance, fantasy, like, set pieces it's crafted. Yeah, and, like, every background is considered every, like, 
you have a split second thing where he's like riding his horse over the fucking sand manta rays. Is nothing for the plot. Yeah, but it's something, but it's fucking gorgeous. Yeah, it's cool as fuck. And it's uh, it's so well animated. Like, again, I don't have much in the way of jokes or even commentary other than just like this movie is so gorgeous. It almost hurts. Yeah. If this movie was considered for best animated feature, it would have lost to Shrek. Justifiably. (laughs) Shrek is a masterpiece, as we all know. Well, (laughs) I mean, look, this movie didn't have a Matrix kick or Smash Mouth. So, yeah, we know what the vote is like. We have we we don't have the Matrix Swan kick. We have other kicks that are very Matrix esque in this movie. In fact, yeah. I think Madhouse like, did a bit for the Animatrix, which would have come out around the same time. I do love it just taking that instead of just being oh here's D versus evil vampire doing regular vampire stuff. Like I do love the gothic romance at the heart of it, and like that it gives it this air of tragedy. Like it doesn't really add too much in the way of like themes but it's all just like more gothy vibes yeah that's the thing that i had to like when i was making all my notes about the my analysis of this film i had to really get over my bias for that sexy vampire romance because i see that and i'm like oh baby i'm getting all flustered here oh it's a sexy vampire romance and it's like no let's really analyze what's going on here amanda come on but we i mean it's cool to analyze it yeah the movie gets you rooting for it like at a certain point you do want to see them yeah away if only so we the audience can see the fucking eternal vampire city of the night on the moon no yeah i did start rooting for them towards the end and then like i thought about it afterwards and i was like okay this is it's kind of got the those tropes of a violent man who is unviolentified by the love of a soft woman or whatever, and she's doing it's all the emotional the labor and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's a, a beat in the beast. Yeah. My, and they have a thing where it's like, oh, he's a vampire that's never killed anybody a, a, except for this one village that gets him all mad. And then, then, he, does, then he goes a killing. Yeah, I feel like this movie just, like, is meant to look really cool, so I feel a bit weird engaging with it on a deeper level and, like, trying to analyze it, because I I feel like I'm almost not playing by its rules. (laughs) Yeah, like, there's not, I mean, I do think there's some stuff again, but there's not too much there to analyze. It's meant to be, like, a very pretty amusement park ride, almost, and it succeeds wildly at being that. Yeah, it does. It's just that I, I have a real hard time finding myself entertained by that stuff nowadays because there's so much spectacle there's so many movies that are just spectacle and i'm like i want that it's coming in this kind of animation that you see so rarely nowadays and just how hard it commits to that gothic fantasy future aesthetic that really is just unlike anything i've ever seen before and where i have seen it it was ripping off vampire it was ripping off this yeah, it, um, it it was weird. It had it was like a weird combination of like bloodborne aesthetic and then like this weird steampunk cowboy 80s aesthetic where everyone had like padded shoulder jackets and like Oh, it, like it was like crazy swirly like shoulder Yeah. Pads. Yeah, the I aesthetic thought. was kind of a hodgepodge. Yeah, oh yeah, I it's, mean it was like I mean so much of D's design especially of like that and the cape it's all just like 
it's so just like what if Clint Eastwood's man with no name was like a gothy anime vampire it feels very not it doesn't even feel very 2000s to me it feels very 80s but that was when the it was like published well, I mean, right yeah i mean it was animated yeah. in the late night you know released in 2000 but we're still talking about something made in that like the heyday of that 80s dark gory ova mm. that was definitely what was in the water water I also love the original title of this story is Demon Death Chase. I mean, that's what it is, really. That makes it sound like the name. That should be the name of, like, the Fast and Furious, like, the Halloween Fast and Furious special. This, now, Madhouse, I don't know if Madhouse is still around as they used to be when they were making movies. Like, I think they're still doing stuff. Um, they but, are. They are. Okay. They need to do Fast and the Furious animated. If anybody does Fast and the Furious animated, it would be them. Do we need any more Fast and the Furious? Yes. Do we need yes. that? Do we well, really? Let's see. The director of this movie is <laughs> Yoshikai Kawajiri, who did uh, a seg- one of the segments in Animatrix. Mm-hmm. Did a segment in Batman Gotham Knight, that little anime thing. But really, it doesn't seem like, hasn't directed too much movies, but, you know, has worked on a whole bunch of big shows like it seems in like some capacity you know it says here he was as i go through he was a storyboard artist for one punch man yeah um storyboard for attack on titan demon mm. slayer jujutsu kaisen all the all the hits jesus yeah, yeah so this a lot is a of guy action. who's yeah who's still doing like the best of the best of like like the biggest of like today's action shows even if he's not of no longer doing like full-on directing there was a there was an animated short that they did but it was the same character designer certainly and i I don't know if it was the 80s i think it might have been the early 90s was like top cyberpunk like whatever if you ever go on youtube and find like one of those vaporwave mixes or like 80s vaporwave mega mix you know hour-long mega mix it certainly is going to have a clip of this in it which has to do with a guy that is like cybernetically fused with his car and there's like this crazy race and they do a race and then it's like death race but with car guys i'm not explaining this very well but i will say you'll probably find it if you look it up you can it's it's part of a an anthology series but you'll recognize the uh the style because it's a lot of the character design is very similar style yeah, you know, when it comes to like politics, like again, I agree, Amanda. Like, there's no big deep issue that they're exploring. It's not like there's a central theme or aspect that this movie is interested in tackling beyond just being super atmospheric, gothic romance, amazing crazy action, which is all wildly entertaining. But in that, like. For a vampire movie, there's not a lot to sink your teeth into, thematic-wise. I mean, yes. I feel like there are themes. It's just that every single time they try to explore any of them, it gets a little confused at one point or another. I'm not sure whether it's the time to bring those points up. Yeah, we can we could talk about that because um, yeah, there are things that we could definitely discuss. There's a lot of tropes in action in this movie that are completely, like, 2d paper thin tropes 
that, you know, I don't think this movie really has the real estate to fully like develop, you know, there's no, but yeah, movies like this always have a chance to, especially these days, turn, twist the tropes a little bit just with like a visual thing or something. But Amanda, did you have something to say about the fact that he's like half vampire? I did, Emily. Thank you. <laughs> well, Good setup. Um, <laughs> so nicely. Vampires in this world are called nobles and are referred to as being of noble blood, which makes you think they're going to do the classic vampire classism illusion thing where they are the ruling class, they're parasitic, they're feeding off of the lower classes. But then they kind of end up conflating issues of classism with race in a very odd way to me. For instance, D is half vampire. So what exactly does that mean? Is he is he half nobility? Does that mean he's half rich guy, half ruling class? But he's treated as one would treat a despised racial minority by other characters. Let's see. Oh, yeah. The vampires are vampires in this instance. Are they a morally corrupt ruling class that can change their actions? Or are they doomed to perpetuate a cycle of violence by virtue of their very biology? You know, because they're vampires and they have to feed off the blood of other humans. Whereas, you know, the ruling class in real life, they don't necessarily have to exploit people to live. I mean, it's like you got like that opening thing or like some of the things where it's like, oh, they could make fake blood, but they don't. Yeah. It does uh, seem to have this level of like biological determinism. It's like, because again, yes. it's like nothing is, it's all just like told to us this idea that like everything apocalypse is shown, happened. Yeah, everything is shown, but it's not ever really clarified in certain ways. So, yeah, it's like it's such a snapshot that we don't really get there. Like, there's a sense like we see Camilla where it's like, oh, I guess like 5,000 years ago, everything was in it when vampires were at their height and she was like queen shit of the vampires. <laughs> and now we're still around, but look, she's just a weird ghost in a creepy castle. Yeah, well, they have the they have like, this whole beginning crawl with the bounty being on the vampires. And the bounty hunters, because the bounty's on the It was so, that crawl was so confusing. I loved I mean, that crawl. And the people that hunt the bounties are called bounty hunters and it's like oh okay yeah just so you <laughs> know right. um i mean that's a, that speaks to me of of translation issues because like yeah. in a lot of cases you have things that checks out yeah because this self-definition because there's a could be you know in the original script there's it could be a different like japanese name for bounty hunters but it is also they're using the english bounty hunter because yeah, you know, I, I, it in the uh, in the Hepburn and like, that's the thing. Like, rummaging. I'm not sure if they're using this like, oh, the time of vampires is coming to an end and they're receding from the world and they're being like driven from the world so humans can take over again. And I'm not like it doesn't. I'm not sure if it's again, trying to say something about power, you know, nobility classes, capitalism, aristocracy, yeah. or if it's just all meant to be, like, just to make it a little darker. Like, this is a world of a society in decline. So everything's yeah. just a little more aesthetic. Uh, there's also the thing with Dee's entire, like, goal throughout this story is basically if vampires are a race, 
Dee's entire goal throughout the story is to like cock block an interracial couple so that he can stop <laughs> miscegenation from happening. So like, what's the vibe yes. there? And yeah, explicitly in the movie where it said that his motivation is to keep him from there being another of you. Yeah. yeah. Which I think if we talk about, if we've, if we really like do a one-to-one comparison between like the vampire, the conceit of the vampires being like a hunted minority and like the race being a thing, that's rough. Yeah. That's really problematic. Uh, also, well, if vampires are, are the, the yeah. rich ruling class that lords over everyone and they burn in the sun, does that make them white people or what? I mean, I think we're getting a little far in the weeds. I, I mean, that was a joke. Explicitly, uh, yes. that was a joke. Yes. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, totally. Um, As a person who is white and burns in the sun, yeah. I'm not sure what this the world of vampire hunter d is meant to explore or reflect about our own world other than just like look at this super sick heavy metal album cover like world brought to life isn't this sick i think that there's there is an which it is it's very sick it is it is, it is. is sick as hell i think that there is definitely an intent to sort of create this pulp old west kind of post-apocalyptic world and then the setup of that is you know everything's kind of goth because vampires used to be in control and that's like that is all we really have that's the reason that that's there is that there used to be like this these vampire dynasties and the vampires used to control the world Mm. but they weren't very sustainable because of their hedonism or whatever oh my god like ruling class capitalists destroying the ecosystem or whatever oh my god yeah 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 yeah. Um, so that you know if we look at it that way i think that there's a sort of a, a class thing i mean vampires inherently bring up class and especially because they are called nobles but there is kind of a of an anastasia story with this where you know meyer link is not the worst vampire he and you know and it, there is a little bit of a, a gray area that is uh introduced which is something i, I appreciate in vampire movies when you have like you have the monster but it's there is some humanity there that's being kind of dealt with and there are many times when Meyer Link is is really like after he half burns himself to death to save Charlotte and he goes he almost goes into a blood frenzy but he kind of keeps it he keeps control like barely keeps control over himself so as not to bite her essentially without her consent which is pretty meaningful in the context of this and again it's not like really saying anything in depth but i think it's a cool concept and i think that it's something that a lot of this movie really just goes directly like comes directly from the in terms of imagery especially from bram stoker's dracula the thing is that even if it's not trying to say anything in depth the fact that is that all media comes from somewhere. Oh, yeah. And it, it comes from certain social values. It comes from certain, uh, like, it, it can tell you a lot about the author's understanding of the world. All these tropes come from somewhere. So it's still worth analyzing with it, even if it's not quite on the terms that it it thought it was going for. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're here. We live in and podcast by the words you know holding horror to progressive standards it never agreed to and yeah that's where we're here 
And yeah, I think the vampire story, like when we did the episode on on Bram Stoker's Dracula, we talked a lot about Bram Stoker and where he got his vampire. And this is this is Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is not by any means like the first or most influential version of the story. But we, you know, we talk a lot about the ideas of nobility, of certain xenophobic ideas that come into play with vampire, of like the, the myth of the vampire. I find what I run into here is like the problem where it's like, it's the same issue where mutants and X-Men eventually kind of hit a wall as it being like, where it's like that the fantasy elements almost make it where it's like, yeah, but they do kill humans and suck their blood. Yes, yes. Talk. It's the it's the same issue that I have with the racial allegory going on in Zootopia. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. they make Good it point. where humans are just all one species and then they make a racial allegory by literally differing species. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah um, like it's like, yeah, like that's where the X-Men is where it's like, yeah, but persecuted minorities can't actually steal your thoughts and kill you just by looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as much as gays wish they had superpowers. Oh, don't <laughs> I ever. Oh. I mean, if I could just if I could just pull off Emma Frost's looks, that'd be my power. You probably could, honestly. Oh, I mean, be it, cosplay. Yeah, there you go. Do the like the Wired magazine one where it's just like little pieces of crystal yes. on her. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like I think that's probably on us where it's like trying to find that line between where can we find something real the movie is trying to say and where it crosses over into like we my vampire action figures bang bang yes yeah i i do think it's good that like there's i think that it's remarkable that the movie did do something slightly different and now we look back on it and we you know we've seen castlevania the tv show we've we've played castlevania symphony of the night you have twilight or whatever like you have a lot of humanizing vampire stories where you have like that same conflict but there's a lot more humanity in those vampires i'd like to believe that this and twilight take place in the same universe oh hell like yes. twilight fast forward like five thousand years you get vampire hunter d <laughs> this is the future vampires want Edward we and Bella are somewhere just glittering their asses off in the gothiest fucking castle you've ever seen. Oh, they've been they've been bountied. I think D has killed both of them at this point. He <laughs> he probably is. He's probably has like a little like a little list somewhere of all of them that he has to take out. And he's like, oh my god, if it's five thousand years in the future, that means creepy Jacob is dead. Yes, or D is their kid. What was their kid's name in the Renesme? series? Renesme. Renesme. He just named himself D because That's he's like, yeah. Renesme is a trans man and named himself D. There we go. Yes. <laughs> so we have also some other things we could talk about. Like, the, there's uh, how does this movie deal with mental illness or uh, health or physical disability? The man in the wheelchair is corrupt, but he's also very rich. So, but we can talk about growth. Chronic illness with the uh, the brother who turns into the murder light ghost. Yeah, can we talk about Grove? Let's talk about beautiful, handsomest character in the whole movie. Look, I when this movie came out, I was like, Grove just shows up out of nowhere as just like this angelic 
ghost just firing lasers at like this horde of assembled elite monsters. I'm like, what the? Do we can, got angels now? What the fuck? Is can I just this movie? say that like soft boy Grove showed up, fucking turned into a beautiful ghost, started blowing shit up, and my heart swelled. I saw this <laughs> math. I'm so happy because I also like when I first saw this movie in like 2001 when I like on DVD or whatever. I also was like that guy, that little guy right there. Fuck yes. The man who is like very, very frail, but he, his spirit is so powerful. It can blow up an entire society of monsters. I'm so attracted to growth. <laughs> it brings out my maternal instinct. You know, you just want to take care of him. It but it's the glow in that really gets me. The I glow, like the translucentness. I like his translucentness and the fact that what his like his ideal form is a Doctor Who cosplay. Gross question mark. I mean, there can be a toxic element to the fetishization of Grove's like weird passivity, but and I've just made it way more weird than it had to be. But yeah, I was gonna say to wanna <laughs> fuck this. You're allowed to fuck the soft boy. Yeah, no, thank I mean, you. Like, like soft boys need love too. I yeah. I I like him because first personality. Soft um, boys can get into all sorts of crazy shit too. Yeah, so yeah, we, we kind of uh, got off track on the disability thing. That's true because he does have to enter a near death state in order to um, create like his ghost form, which is evocative of drug overdose. Yes, you know? yes. he's like his his physical body is like emaciated. He is constantly in a bed. He can't, yeah, he doesn't, he has to get up or anything. If neg, he is like negative man. If Larry Trainer had to do meth in order to release the negative spirit, yeah, (laughs) god, and especially that Doom Patrol arc. I mean, the way that like a lot of these DC franchises have gotten like incredibly dark, and the more meth he does, the more powerful the negative spirit is. God, I mean, that. There, there could be something there. And also considering that this movie came out in the year 2000, which is like right, like coming off of the 90s with the heroin chic, you know, like everybody was like, everybody famous is doing heroin. At everybody the time. wanted that Brad Pitt fight club body. Oh, my God. I wasn't uh, born yet. I don't. Oh. It's OK. No, it's it's. But I think it's worth that noting. Was very too. much a case of like Brad Pitt did fight club. And then every actor was like. Well, guess I have to be dehydrated for every action role now. Well, there was also the the grunge scene and a lot of celebrities, a lot of like these 90s oh, yeah. celebrities were, were. I mean, it was where you had like your size negative one celebrity like models. Yeah, the, the fashion was all like I mean, it, based it was around people. Heroin became a term, which is a terrible term. Yes. Yeah. And Only we should have a chic, and that chic should be tie-dye and beanbags. Yeah, it should be comfort. Yes. Comfort chic. And copious sex. Yeah, hell yeah. Fucking dude Lebowski chic. I think that the deal with Grove and his, like, flatliner situation is supposed to be tragic, which is ultimately kills him. Like, he's also at the mercy of whoever is there. And he has to, like, go into that state permanently in order to save Layla. Layla yeah. does need a lot of saving in this movie. 
yeah, he does. All the all oh, the yeah. all the girls do. All the girlies constantly need some saving. I mean, that's a, another thing is how do we feel about the women characters in this movie? Like Charlotte almost had more agency than Layla did. I wanted to say the yes. same. Yeah, Charlotte had a surprising amount of agency. It's like a very simple subversion of the damsel in distress kind of trope expectation because D is sent out to save her and then it turns out she doesn't want to be saved because she's with her hot vampire BF. And I was like, okay, Which cool. Good moved. for you. I mean, yeah. Hey. Link, Meyer Link. I mean, yeah. Especially when he's being like, yeah, we're going to go live and be vampires on the moon city. Like, Yeah. I mean, yeah. Go ahead, girl boss. I mean, she <laughs> even gets a brief character arc. Though that character arc is, oh my God, I can't believe, like, Meyer, I can't believe you killed that village. Wait, I was that. I, I guess technically it was really I was the one responsible for that village dying. Like sometimes you just got to kill a village to make an omelet. Yeah, <laughs> that was a really weird scene. I felt like Meyer Link in general is kind of a weird character because he's like he's vaguely remorseful for his past wrongs, but he doesn't show it that strongly. And I feel like most of his remorse is. Res- like expressed via his like soft woman the soft woman attached to him doing the emotional labor and like voicing his remorse for him like oh you're trying so hard honey look how good you're being and it's like yeah it seems that the only bad thing he actually did was this village he turned while fleeing the hunters and that's the main thing and i guess it's implied that like he got sent on like a rampage but like it's not like, oh, I was a bad person, then I was changed by the love of a good woman. It was like, no, I was the good guy vampire, and then I fell in love, and we're trying, but I did have a whoopsie on the way. Yeah, yeah. The, but the whoopsie, well, the whoopsie was kind of a big whoopsie, and it does also, it, it's a big it whoopsie, and it does kind of also, killed. it reads as that, like, oh, the man, there's a man, and he just can't control his big, strong, murderous, manly urges yeah. and needs a woman to temper it trope thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah that i mean that in a lot of vampire it, stuff it, it wasn't i don't no i definitely agree that like it was played in like oh don't sure this guy murdered a town but you know he was provoked don't blame the man for his anger like, exactly i do think yeah. that but i do think the movie avoids the sense of like oh well because the woman is here she she calms the bee's heart if anything, the movie's kind of like, oh, yeah, no, you're way more killy now that, like, you got her to protect and you care about her. Like, if anything, she's bringing out the murder in you. That's true. I yeah. didn't even think about that. Yeah. <laughs> and she's also like, please bite me. Like, please bite me. And he's like, no, I'm monster. And she, he's like, the, which he's, he's the sub. Yeah, oh, my God. He totally is. She Charlotte totally is the pegs dumb. her. <laughs> and she totally <laughs> pegs him. She totally pegs him. Um. <laughs> Why is that such a... I mean, I know it's because of that angst angle. Like, no, I can't. You don't want to be a monster like me. And it's like very, oh my God. It's it's very conflict. It's very emotionally appealing. But like that always happens. So there's a man vampire and he's like, no, you don't get bodily autonomy. Also, I, yeah, you don't want like, this. She, she, she very much wants this. Also, you're, you're going to take her as a regular human to the vampire moon city? Yeah. She's gonna suffocate. It's the humans even surviving this church. I don't. 
Yeah, I don't know if that yeah, rocket head was like structurally. I love that rocket. I rocket love that so rocket. Cool. No, I am obsessed. But, but watching like gothic ass flying buttresses on the rocket, like yes, like, it more was cathed- more cathedrals in space forever. It was giving me. It was giving me the Fallout quest from New Vegas, where you're trying to get ghouls to the moon. That's what I was reminded. Oh my of. god. <laughs> <laughs> you have to get ghouls to the moon on a fucking goth rocket uh well it's not a goth rocket it's just a rocket but you have to get ghouls to the moon so they're well, promised I just land. like the idea of ever being like space travel is so easy and not even a thought to us that like we're just gonna make our shit we're gonna make like rolls royces of like rocket ships like I it's think- so easy for us that now which- we're just gonna focus on aesthetics which is actually i kind of also love that because what are rich people nowadays kind of trying to do with space travel to escape our dying earth and all the stinky pores you know they're they're working on it (laughs) it's surreal well i remember when i first saw dune the the david lynch dune and there's a scene in dune that where uh where patrick stewart shows up and he's got a weird like Minecraft man body. Yeah, and he also has a dog. There's that a lot was of cool shit Star that Trek. That was pre I'm Star Trek. Watching the first episode of Next Generation and going like, <laughs> yeah, I can't fucking rem- remember the, na- the character's name right now, which is like I feel very stupid now. Uh, but... Josh Brolin plays him in the new one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Gurney. Gurney Halleck, Gurney Halleck. Yeah, he plays Gurney Halleck, but. They're big warp ships where they have to like warp from Caladan to Arrakis had like these huge gothic like portals on them. They were just big tube with this this Rococo. It's not really it's not Victorian Gothic, it's Rococo like portal. And I'm like, when are we gonna have Rococo spaceships? I know it's a lot of money to get into space right now. You go, Glenn Rococo. Yeah, it's it's appropriate. But uh, that like blew my mind at the time. I'm like, so so can we have gothic spaceships? And yes, we can have gothic spaceships. Now this does come up in Doctor Who too. Like apparently, Tardises also can af- kill vampires. That's something that you're gonna. I'm again, onus on you, when, listener. I'm very sorry, but we only have so much time. I can only tell you, just look it up. Vampires in Doctor Who. You know, if there's no sun, pretty much carte blanche, right? Or carte noir. What happens if it's in the 90s and a vampire encounters a black hole sun? Then their eyes get really big and they like scream, just like in the video. Uh, their oh. flesh melts off their face, but they're smiling because Chris Cornell. Black hole sun. Why don't you come? Are crosses freaking everywhere in this movie? And every once a vampire wears a cross, but they never, they don't seem to function in any way. I don't they've think they like understand the, what it means. They've got, I, yeah, they, I think it's just for like the aesthetic, but like the vampire hunting mobile, like it's, it's spotlight is shaped like a cross too, but it doesn't it. seem to add to the effect at all. It's and... really, really confusing. And then there's a part where D, who is half vampire, walks on water. So, like, what's the vibe there? Um, the vibe is the vibe. The vibe is the vibe. What can I say? Like, it is, would he, be is he Jesus? It would... Oh, like, are we going with this? Again, I think in their, like, 1980s slash late 1990s Japanese, middle-aged Japanese man, they were like, whatever the translation was, they were like, it'd be poggers if D walked on. 
How do you say poggers in Japanese? Like, I like, I don't poggers. know what exactly poggers. they said, but I'm pretty sure that's the tra- that would have been the translation. Yeah. <laughs> we we talked about vampires and race. That is again an extrapolation. You know, I think that I think that that's something that can be discussed further, and it's definitely discussed in other films. In this movie, however, when we talk about like actual real known races of humans, the only character that is squarely coded as black dies first and quickly and is kind of a bad stereotype. So R.I.P. Noel. Um, I did like that his weapon was a giant wooden stake. It was like a giant wooden stake hammer. His design was off the hook. Like his design was so cool. Like all of these guys were designed. Bor- Borgoff was like he had a beard and a crossbow, whatever, and a scar. But like his design was cool. Fucking Kyle and his like rat tail. Borgoff and Kyle. Yeah, the we... shadow guy. I love that scene. Like, oh, that I was lo- good. I, I love just like being like, oh, these human hunters aren't just here to like be meat puppets. Like they, these guys are actually kind of badass in their own right. Almost. Well, it's like, okay, it's like when they have the element of surprise and they know and they have, like, the right information, like, these guys can pull off some badass moves. So it's just made it, like, it that much more earned when they then, like, all start getting just killed. Can we acknowledge that in this, like, gothic cowboy sci-fi land, there is a man named Kyle who has a braided rat tail and wears like a skin tight jumpsuit with a deep V down to his crotch. Can we talk about the vibes there? It's called Yoshitaka Amano. Have you seen the character designs for Final Fantasy VI? I have not. I am not yeah, a Final you know Fantasy what? That's what Kyle person. Gives it. it gives big FF6. You're right. Oh, yeah. No, he's like Sabin. He's like Sabin. Um, Amanda, you've heard the terms train suplex, right? Yes. Okay. That's from Final Fantasy VI. <laughs> the guy that does the train suplex is Sabin. And Sabin looks like that. He is fully like Saban and like what the fucking the thief guy. I can't remember the name, but he's Locke. like one of the ma- Locke. Yeah. Saban and Locke both have like rat tails. Like everybody, all like Yoshaka Mono is like rat tails, rat tails, rat tails, rat tails. Because you can't have it all short. You gotta have one little, everybody is some kind of Padawan. I don't even know where he got the rat tail. Like, was that like. Big in Japan at the time, like it was big was in the eighties. By me, like oh okay, yeah, it was big in the eighties. Like rat tails were pretty big in the eighties. I knew several dudes with rat tails in in elementary school. I don't know why it ever was a thing, but Armando really likes it. Armando loves it. I feel like they're better to draw than to see in real life. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Adam Ant did rock like little little braids and the little ponytail. Which was kind of like a new romantic, like based off of, I can think some of the, the rat tail thing also sort of evokes the uh, 17th century and in 18th century, like little ponytails and stuff. Yeah. The dudes would have because they would be business on the top and party in the back. I all think times. it's all of that in combination with his name being Kyle. That gets yeah. Um, and <laughs> Kyle. Yeah. I mean, um, Layla. Layla is a pretty common name too. Like, yeah, I but it it still it suits the sort of gothic aesthetic more, yeah. like a little bit. It still feels kind of modern, but you know, um, it does mean darkness. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, Layla oh. is a textbook strong female character, though. Like, yeah, straight she, up. She's like, getting say like she uses her big giant pistol once and misses. Yeah, 
yeah she's always getting got like she's someone some like even god has to save her with that fucking lightning strike like everybody's saving her from i forgot about that deus ex machina like the literal deus ex machina that happens yeah i think it's supposed to be implied that when she puts the dagger in caroline's like tree head then then like that attracts the lightning but that's this isn't breath of the wild yeah that's (laughs) don't remind me jesus christ i'm getting like flashbacks (laughs) ben have you played breath of the wild no, no. The only Zelda games I have played are Oracle of Ages and Seasons. What? Like, try to figure again, that out. I just want to. We need to preserve you like this. Yeah, we need to put you in a time capsule. It's, it's freaking me out. So it's like Link and his kangaroo friends. <laughs> yeah, like, what are you doing? I think there's a bear. Like the Brian David Gilbert making a Sonic the Hedgehog religion after not seeing any, never playing a Sonic game. It reminded me of, um, I have a friend who would never engage with any Pokemon at all until she was like 18. And then she played a Pokemon game for the very first time. And she caught a Magikarp and she's like, oh, it only knows Splash. This thing is useless. And she fell for the trap that that Pokemon sets up in tricking you into thinking Magikarp's useless. And we all had to tell her, no, it evolves into Gyarados. And she was like baffled by that. And it was so interesting to see someone who didn't already know that genuinely be tricked i know uno yeah well because magikarp's the uno yes and gyarados is dose i'm all for the integration of spanish in these uh western adaptation of pokemon names um you know archic uno is gyarados you will Ultras. never need halucha the lucha hawk well yeah <laughs> like that one that one is like a pretty like that one is it's absolutely intended to be a luchador but uh, Ludicolo. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, don't get me started on Lombre. Lombre. Yeah. yeah. That's a bit mm, sometimes Pokemon is a it's a bit dicey with that. But interesting little world. So uh, Oh, uh, a favorite scene with the old man. We should talk about that. Yes. So the old man, I didn't catch what he said in the in the Japanese dub so much. It was not as direct, but he did like in the Japanese dub, he referred to D as handsome. In the English dub, he actually is like, I would hit that if I was young enough. And D is definitely like just being a vampire. Yeah, we talk about like vampires. There's queer, it's all, there's no such thing as a straight vampire. That's just the rules. D is, D is definitely asexual. And it's not really like, but he's also very sexy, which I, I think is cool. But D is there. To be desired, not to desire. Yeah. It's interesting because in the original film, things get a little bit more horny with D, but he still is you know what super asexual. You know what actor could be D? The fucking gay sex trap from They Slash Them. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. That otherworldly beauty. Yeah, he was. He had a whole like anime madhouse body and face and everything. Like he's very pretty, but he's also very, very quiet. And see, I feel that sometimes when a piece of media is trying to make a character stoic and cool by being quiet all the time, they kind of accidentally code them as a little neurodivergent. And I got that energy with D. Oh, totally. I think yeah. his only friend is the old man who lives in his hand. 
Let him even talk about the old man that lives in D's hands. Yeah, so his D literal is literal left-hand man, yes. The left hand, <laughs> so D's left hand is a demon question mark. And this is all I haven't read the books. I've just seen the original Vampire Hunter D movie, which is very low, lo-fi. I mean, the, the animation quality is not anywhere close to this one, but it is it does have a certain vibe. Um, it has some really interesting stuff going on with it. There are a lot more nipples, and it's almost hilarious in how just kind of uh, clunky it is. But I think there's a scene, if memory serves correctly, there's a scene where the woman tries to come on a D, and he does get, like, hungry in a vampire way, but he's like, no, 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 no. So I think he has a little bit more, there's more tension with him and everything, but the hand, the hand... There's a point where D is like taken out fully and the hand fully like saves him by eating dirt and like demons and stuff. So there's this weird symbiotic relationship where essentially the hand has a chance to eat the stuff that D, some of like the weird magic shit that D encounters. I don't know what else. I don't know the details of how he got the hand or whatever. It's um, kind of there. It's not really explained. Yeah, he's just got like a like a face on his hand, and it talks to him. But it and has it's like they just needed somebody to. It's just like they needed something to bounce off of D. Yeah, it's react well, yeah, like they bounce off of him while he walks around and is just completely silent. Um, it's, it's the fucking like it's the little fairy going, "Hey, listen to D." Yeah, it's it's D's Navi. Yeah, like, this could be a video game. Like, D could Absolutely. easily be a near-silent protagonist in a video game where you just move through, like, Devil May Cry-esque, like, Devil, like, the world is Fallout meets Devil May Cry yeah. fighting, or like, like Bloodborne. crazy vampire bosses. Yeah, I feel like there was a D Vampire Hunter D video game. It just wasn't very good, and it's been done. I mean, like, Castlevania exists. Bloodborne exists. The Devil May Cry exists. Fucking the other one with the chick. Legally uh, blonde. Yes, but also the one with, uh, she's a witch and her hair. Legally blonde too. Um, there was a witch and her hair. And her hair is her her outfit and she's like Bayonetta. Bayonetta. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if you were talking about Bayonetta, but like I could not tell. Or I smell toast. I don't know what's going on. You smell no, toast. Is there actually toast being made or are you having a stroke? I don't know. Okay, cool. I don't know. Just got off reels. Bayonetta. All these all these games have existed and they're really cool. The 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 D and his hand dichotomy definitely has like, you know, you need the hand is there for levity and also an extra like ace in the hole if if D needs it. Again, there's some some translations. I think the Japanese translation is slightly more like questionable in terms of like what is the true relationship with D and his hand, but the fact that D seems very asexual. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, why did you word it like that? Um, yeah, well, I mean, like, like having a, a mouth of... built into your hand is a little. Anyway. I, don't, I don't know what I don't want to know what that mouth do. <laughs> that might be what a reason that D is asexual is like. Nah, this is yeah. Imagine dealing with that. Like nothing's worth it. Like no, it's, it's too. There's it's not something I'm interested in. You guys. D is definitely like a game protagonist. Now, the old man in D's hand between the old man and D's hand, 
flirting with him and the old man in the movie th- flirting with him. I'm not very comfortable with like a lot of this. It's not great to have the only real like queer coded dialogue in this movie be for laughs and be like essentially from a pervert old man. But again, this is not a movie with the real estate to really like talk about these issues. I think if we had another Vampire D movie, I would love to see. I think we're at a point where we can that we don't have to raise eyebrows at like any sort of characters being queer. Yeah, the romance definitely would have been better if it was queer. Just off the yeah, yeah, just by default. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to think if there's anything else with the with the monsters. I mean, a lot of the monsters were. I mean, like they were their own thing that you can. The monsters are all there as their own thing, but are they? Because there are a bunch of different kinds of monsters, but they were kind of referred to as like one group or one species or whatever. And like, how does that dichotomy work with the vampires being monsters too, but they're like nobility? To be different monsters, but I think it was just an excuse to have fight scenes with different powers. Oh, no. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I think the, the. Yeah. In world, you know, you have the society of monsters that are not quote unquote nobles. Cause I think that there's a difference between the noble vampires like Meyer Link and Queen Carmilla. And then there's the ghoul vampires that like what the whole village became like vampire ghouls that did not have powers to like heal their clothing and turn into like blades and stuff. Where do we but- draw the line between like monster characters and like human characters too because we've got like a literal half vampire and then we've also got a human that like an astral project into a ghost so where are we drawn the humanity line here you know i think it's I deliberately mean, fuzzy yeah, yeah that's what i that's what i was thinking yeah i mean d has a weird monster hand and he's also got powers and fangs and stuff which you know fang d with fangs so hot so hot even in like the original with a very like flat colors and everything is just like mm. but the, the monsters seem to have kind of a community like they look out for each other they're looking out for Meyer Link you know they, they have pretty chill conversations he doesn't treat them like thralls they're there to protect him and he is there to help them and it's you know a little bit more of a humane depiction of that rather than something like all the underworld shit where like all the vampires versus werewolves or vampires versus x if it's okay bringing it up please um i kind of wanted to talk about the themes of like the cycle of violence yeah because that was like something that the scene with the old man tied into because like as a child d saved him he protected this person from harm he protected him from like the ramifications of violence oh yeah this and is then the later, human old man the, in yeah the, the human old man engineer yeah. and then the that he bought a horse from and then later in life this old man having lived his life and been spared from violence by d grew up and in turn protected him from violence and that sort of echoed in uh what happens with layla she's like the only one of the main cast that lives and multiple times d saves her life and she doesn't kill him because she doesn't you know she realizes it wouldn't be moral like she doesn't feel right doing it and she's the only one of all her siblings that lives to old age and has a grandchild and um i find it interesting that all those characters that held off on violence in some way or were protected from violence are the ones that lived and get some sort of camaraderie out of it and it's um 
I think that's a big theme of the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely. I mean, I, I see that a lot, especially like anime movies. There's a lot yeah. of discussion of like the of cycles, how to interrupt a cycle of something toxic or whatever. It's it's very he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of action movies that also have that, things like that going on. The, the more modern action movies, or I should say more contemporary action movies, even though there's there's a lot of violence. But Layla did decide to spare Charlotte and Meyer Link, even though she had no, there, I mean, Charlotte was essentially dead. Although I think that there is, there's some room to There's some room for interpretation. Yeah. yeah. Like maybe Meyer Link was like, ah, chomp. And then she's undead now. I mean, there's all sorts of magic, and the, there's a fucking gothic yeah. rocket. Yeah, either um, either Meyer Link is just in space being a sad dude forever alone, or there he's with his hot vampire GF on the moon. Yeah, they That's did cool. show some of that 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 moon city, or it's not on the moon city. It's like floating. It's like a floating space station, like vampire space station. They showed in the very beginning during the title crawl. When they're talking about how bounty people who want bounties are bounty hunters. I hunts. didn't notice that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to look at that background. Again. Yeah. I just, I find it interesting that most people who try, made active steps to stop their own cycle of violence or protect others from violence were rewarded in some way karmically. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, I, yeah. I mean, like, I, yeah, that's a big, karma is a good thing to, to bring up with this one. Also, when you talk about uh, Layla and her brothers, uh, I'm pretty sure that's a found family, which also has some nice, like, kind of Fast and the Furious yeah. queer found family vibes. The, although definitely not biological siblings, definitely found. Family. No, like, yeah, definitely I, found I family, family siblings. Yeah. They all really did care about each other. They did, and they did, in in the Japanese at least they called each other brother and sister. There was a lot of Aniki and Nissan. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that. Yeah, which for a while I was like, are they siblings? Like, like, are they, do they think of each other as like adoptive siblings? Or is it because they're all wearing crosses? So I'm like, is this sort of like a congregation? Is this a priesthood of vampire killers, you know? And so they're like, oh, it's, you know, sister, sister, whatever. Oh, praise be. I think it's more of a, like a Fast and the Furious found family. Yeah, but it, it's more of a, I, it's more of a sibling, sibling thing. Yeah. They are family. They're not like messing around or whatever, maybe. I mean, who knows? But like with a found family, especially the queer found family, there can be partners. So anyway, I think it was about time to start talking about whether we recommend this movie. Do you recommend this movie, everyone? Oh, fuck yeah. Gorgeous film. Hell yeah. Um, yes. If none of the trigger warnings get to you specifically. Um, does the dog die is a website that's always great to look up any film title on and see if anything uh, is triggering in it for you. I would recommend it purely because it's got such beautiful art. It's got such beautiful animation. It really is like a, a masterful piece of the craft. It, it's just, it feels a little lacking on substance at times, <laughs> but I still think it's worth a watch. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's it, like I, like we said, all style, all thriller, all filler. Do we have anything we would recommend if if our listeners like this movie? Oh man, uh, Trinity Blood, Blood Plus, Helsing, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, <laughs> Amanda, Castlevania. Oh, Castlevania, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I've got media wrecks that don't really have the same vibe as this movie. 
but um i do agree uh yeah castlevania castlevania is a great one i really like chainsaw man i really love chainsaw man if you haven't read it or watched it go check out chainsaw man it's amazing it is actually amazing um Uh, for my recommendations i mentioned the voice actor that played uh meyer link in the english dub also played the main villain in the show Aeon Flux. Now, if you can find that show, it is so cool. It is so ahead of its time. Again, it's all vibes. It's like, it's a show by Peter Chung, who's a very prolific animator, who's also worked with Madhouse. But this was a series of uh, an American animation series that was released on MTV back in like 1996, 95. And it was super cool. If you've heard of the movie, it's the, the characters in the movie are the same and that's it also some make some great there's some great AMVs of aeon flux if you want to just see what it's about there's another one of those japanimation weirdo movies that you'd find on the shelf in 1995 uh at your local movie store that i highly i just has, holds a special place in my heart it's called demon city shinjuku and it's actually based off of the novel series by the same author the movie itself, again, is all killer, all filler. Like, it is, there's not a lot to say. There's a guy, he has a sword, there's a demon. He's a demon guy and he's got white hair. And uh, if you haven't seen the movie, you may have seen it playing in the background of various scenes of Johnny Mnemonic. Although I realized saying that, that people who are familiar with Johnny Mnemonic that much and people who are familiar with Demon City Shinjuku, probably that, that Venn diagram is a circle. So. Um, Anyway, also watch watch the Devil Man OVAs. If you want to learn more, we have a whole series about those. But yeah, so I think that that just about does it for us. Where can we find you online, Amanda? Oh, uh, you can find me at Robofather pretty much everywhere. Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. Um, it's R-O-B-O-F-E-A-T-H-E-R. My commissions are always open. Awesome. And then um, you're working on a new book. Or you worked on a new book? What, I what's... worked on a new book. I actually just got them in the mail. I'm very excited about Ooh. it. Yeah, I got a... But, oh, actually, oh, there's, there's another one coming in the mail, too. I got... Uh, it's a new Dames production book. I got a bunch of copies of Horns in the mail. I was also just in uh, Classics 3, which is uh, about recreating classical works of art with a new queer gay twist on them. And I, yeah, I recreated a, uh, an Impressionist painting is it's really cute and i uh secretly inserted my girlfriend into it (laughs) i i love that i saw that i love that i got several cavities because it's so sweet yeah unfortunately yeah uh, pre-orders for did close recently but yeah if anyone listening to this happened to support us for pride month thanks for that yeah if we is there any place that we can find the books like are are there people that are selling them at conventions or yeah artists will be selling them at conventions i know i'm personally getting 20 copies uh, okay (laughs) but i i think they will be reopening their store and doing reprints in the future too oh awesome so that's uh there was horns and then what was the other one called there was horns uh by dames production and then there was uh classics classics okay yes horns art book and classics art book yes and dame's production we're doing uh get another uh book soon it's about magical nights so that will be real fun oh nice 
And so, Ben, I'll let you do your thing because, I mean, I could tell everybody about you, but... You can find me on Twitter at BenTheCon, Instagram BenConComics, or check out my website, BenConComics.com. You can find uh, all three issues of Griffin are out in stores now. And my prose debut, the middle grade novel, L. Campbell Wins Their Weekend, will be out from Scholastic on October 17th. So uh, pre-order that now. Awesome. Hell yeah. We also, uh, so you have L. Campbell and Griffin. And then where do I find a Renegade Rule t-shirt like the one you're wearing? Uh, This one was actually just made by my co-writer, Rachel. Oh, awesome. I get to rep the brand. Awesome. You can always get Renegade Rule uh, from Dark Horse and you can find that at comic book stores and online. Awesome. And I'm at Megamoth on Twitter, Mega underscore Moth on Instagram, Megamoth.net. And Jeremy was at a million conventions this week. If you saw him there, awesome. He will be at conventions in the future as well. I know that he was at table 1337 at ALA, which I think is great. You know, it's very elite hacker speak there. But if you're looking for Jeremy and if you miss him, um, you can always hit him up on Twitter and Instagram at jroom58 and his website, jeremywhitley.com. And you can check out all of the stuff that he's writing. And he's got the new graphic novel out, The Dog Night, which was recently selected a New York Times list of books of graphic novels to check out for Pride, which is the book is so cute and it very much deserves to be on all the good lists. So check it out, as does Renegade Rule and and Al Campbell. If you want to support all of us here on the podcast. Uh, we're on Patreon at Progressively Horrified, and we also have our website, progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm, and we're on Twitter at Prog Horror Pod. We'd love to hear from you. We can always chat about anime. We can, we have a lot of opinions about anime, too, you know, and Jeremy loves it. He's just, he's just a uh, tucendere the best. to admit the, it. Just such a, such a supporter of our anime love. He's, he's very good. He's a very good supporter. He's our, our best Aniki, and I'm very arigatoful of him. He's our, he's the bochi the he's the bochi the rock of our group. He really is. Oh my god. Uh, I'll check out bochi the rock too. That's a really great series. Anyway, so thank you, Amanda. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for um, having me. Of course. Yes, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you, Ben. And you know, thank you for being rad. We also we we all love you. And thank you, listener, for listening. And be well and always stay horrified. <laughs>